Welcome back. Welcome to Decision Space, the only show to take place right here in the space between the turns in your favorite games. I'm Jake Friedman. And I'm Brendan Hansen. And this is the podcast about decisions in games. Yeehaw! Today we're diving deep into the decisions offered in Great Western Trail, a sprawling, entangled, some would say lovely, others would say messy game. We'll discuss the modular nature of Great Western Trail, the core systems, its entangled strategic paths, interactions, cows, cowboys, engineers, and try to get to the bottom of why we're building a mansion along the trail, and so much more. Brendan, how are you doing today, and are you looking forward to this discussion? I'm doing really well, Jake. Thanks for asking. And I am looking forward to this discussion. Great Western Trail has this unique place, I would say, in the board game zeitgeist right now, and I think has sort of had that for the last half decade almost. Uh, Came out in like 2015, so we're in 2022 now, and I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see where both of us end up. I've had a wild ride along the trail with this game. How are you, Jake? Are you excited? I'm doing good, and I'm always excited to talk with you and to talk board games. Uh, Before we get into this episode, we should give a huge thank you to all of our patrons. They are the ones who selected this game. We have that as one of our Patreon perks if you choose to support the podcast in that way. Uh, Every few months or so, uh, we'll put a poll up there and let our Patreon backers select the game. So this is the first one that was chosen not by us but by them. So, you know, if you're looking forward to this episode, uh, you should give them a big thank you. Uh, we are very grateful for their support. And if, if you're interested and, and can support the show in that way, uh, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash decision space. And we'll include a link in the show notes. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, also for our pre-planners, those who like to play the games along with us in advance, The next game we will be covering, likely in next week's episode, will be Tigris and Euphrates, the classic Reiner Knizia tile placement area control thing. So I'm really looking forward to that discussion. I think it'll be a ton of fun. This is the first time I've heard Jake is excited about talking about Tigris and Euphrates. So I am very excited. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) hey, it's a classic game for a reason. And we're certainly given it its fair due in terms of plays. (laughs) <laughs> at this point uh, now, okay. now i'm nervous now I'm no, nervous. no okay. spoilers <laughs> great western trail great western trail ratings and slogans i think i'm gonna change it up and i'm gonna give mine first this time do it so great western trail i'm gonna give this game a five out of ten <laughs> so all right, I know a lot of people are probably just turning this podcast off right now. Um, but, you know, to me, I've played it a lot. Uh, it isn't a game that really has st- stuck with me in a way that makes me want to keep revisiting it. And in fact, it's kind of been, as we've played it so much to prepare for this show, it's kind of been a game that has become a little bit of a drag to continue to play and that's really only Hmm. happened to me a few times in this in in this podcast uh in this experience so i think you know i want to be objective and i want to take note of when that's happening and that's unfortunately the the experience that i've been having playing this game is like oh brenda invited me to another game of great western trail i guess i'll do it um but you know i just haven't been having as much fun 
as so many others do with this game. And I think the big reason for that is, and we'll get much more into this in the episode, is is for a game that is all about building a path. Ironically, I feel like, or maybe this makes perfect sense and isn't ironic at all, I feel as though I get too limited and too, you know, focused into a single path as I play this game that it starts to feel like it's kind of playing itself in a way that Mm. my turns become really obvious. So that's my big criticism. And we'll certainly get into that much more. But I feel like I'm going to be much lower than Brendan, which is why I wanted to go first. So let's get to a maybe a more positive one. Brendan, will you please give us your rating and, and slogan for the game? I'm so excited for this episode now. Uh, There are many along the board game trail who would suggest that Great Western Trail is one of the best designed board games of all time. Clearly not, Jake. I found myself captivated by its energy and tangled strategic paths and sheer variability, mostly afforded to it by its brilliant runtel and building system. There's this driving force to the decisions offered to players in Great Western Trail that feel at times in the best way, like running down a hill with the wind in your hair. Mostly, Great Western Trail is an exercise in prudence, tying skill to a player's ability to not dally along the trail and stop frugally uh, only at times when they absolutely must. There's brilliant fun and beauty in Great Western Trail's design, but at the end of the day, I wish it offered more meaningful tools for interaction on the board other than just blunting and taxing, which saps some of the energy the game has out of it. For me, Great Western Trail, though, eclipses these and manages to be a solid 8 out of 10. All right. Uh, well, there you have a pretty good spread in our reviews. And I think maybe it's worth mentioning too, very briefly, that we typically are rating these games based on the board game geek general scale for rating games. So a five isn't a pan as much as it is like, this is an average game that I could kind of take or leave. If somebody brought it out, I wouldn't necessarily say, no way I refuse to play that, but probably wouldn't seek out myself. Where this is a game that Brendan, it sounds like, would would certainly... Uh, recommend or or potentially bring out with other folks and be excited to get it to the table many more times definitely i think that that's that's absolutely right it's been a game that's we'll get into it we'll get into it let's talk about the background this game was designed by alexander fister uh, who notably did two games i absolutely love in 2015 broom service we've covered on this podcast and isle of sky from chieftain to king and that's one that I'm constantly recommending to people. I think it fills a great niche in uh, the board game collection. And then more recently, uh, Fister has put out games like Maracaibo, another game that really rose uh, and and received a lot of great critical acclaim. There there are a few smaller ones in there too. And I know Boon Lake is a very recent release that's getting a ton of press uh, right now. Um, When it comes to Great Western Trail itself, uh, it kind of has a long history and a f- promising future. Uh, so this game originally, as Brendan mentioned, came out in 2016, uh, where it was immediately just a massive hit. Uh, this game was everywhere at that time. Uh, it received a second edition in 2021, which is what we have been playing. And I do believe that uh, tweaked things a little bit. Um, so sort of a, a patch type of thing to the game. Uh, not just a straight reprint. I think it, it, visually, it's definitely a patch. It updates a lot of the aesthetics of the game. It updates some of the things about the presentation, uh, just within the cultural context of the game. And I will say that I was much more excited to play the second edition because of that than I was the first. Also, the look and feel is just nice, and the cowboy meeples with their little hats. 
are what, adorable. Do you know off the top of your head, like what the problematics? Yeah. So in the first edition, uh, this is news I, to me. I do. So the, in the version we play, Jake, there's the, the loop where you will have run-ins with outlaws um, and you can potentially gain money from removing those outlaws from the board. Right. So in the original version of great Western trail, I know where uh, this is going. <laughs> Yeah, the same that same path was representing Native Americans. Right. Um, that I believe in the rule book called, uh, and I'm going to quote Indians. Um, and then basically, like how it contextualizes your interaction with Native Americans on the Great Western Trail is, it was saying you were trading, uh, but that's not the experience in a lot of ways. That was like, it just I I don't know. I, yeah. I think they made a, a, a positive change moving those to be outlaws i think it fits the aesthetic better and i think it fits what's happening through mechanically through play better um so we'll be referring to the outlaws and and that's where yeah the second edition ended up great thank you uh good to know um and then upcoming there i think there have been announced three new additions or like follow-ups to great western trail that are coming out uh, in 2022, there will be an Argentina version, uh, and in 2023, a New Zealand version. Is there going to be one more after that as well? I can't. Well, so, or was the second edition the first of the three? The second edition was the first of the three, and just two days ago, maybe it was even yesterday, uh, the updated. There is an expansion to Great Western Trail that w- was previously just for the first edition. And now they've announced that they're bringing that to the second edition presentation and print as well. So that's another sort of piece in this line of updated aesthetics that's coming. Yeah. All right. So with that in mind, just really briefly, are you are you excited to check out these new versions of this game when they release? I'm excited to see how different they are from Great, Great Western Trail. If they're presented as riffs on Great Western Trail that share... 75% of the or more of the DNA, probably not for me. I'm happy to have played Great Western Trail and I'll probably stick with this, even if those games are said to be, oh, it's just such an amazing refined version. If they share 50% of the DNA and there's a lot of sort of different things happening, I think that could be really exciting. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the angle that the games take. How about you, Jake? Not just because I don't have as favorable of an opinion of Great Western Trail, but I think almost in any game, it'd be... Like that's just doing like a new version in a new location. It's definitely would be a wait and see for me, you know, uh, but I mean, there's castles of Burgundy and then castles of Tuscany and those are very different offerings. So if it's something like that, then sure. I could be potentially interested. Uh, totally. And sheep yeah. are cool. Sheep yeah. Are cool. I think. Yeah. But if it's just like great Western trail, the with same mechanics and like a slightly different map and buildings and it's sheep like pass probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you're a massive fan of this, then of course you want to try it out. Uh, and this game was published, we said, in 2016 by Eggert Spiel, one to four players. Brendan, will you please provide your usual uh, game synopsis and rules overview right now? Yeah. 
Great Western Trail is a sprawling, loop-building, hand-management game that casts players as ranchers, taking their hand of cows for delivery at the end of a looping trail. Play of Great Western Trail primarily takes place on a shared central board that depicts action locations represented by buildings organized in a loop. On the trail are branching paths, hazards, shared public buildings, and locations for players to build their own private buildings, altering their own options and potentially taxing or slowing down their opponents. Each turn, players move their rancher along the path up to a certain number of building spaces ahead. If they opt to stop at a public building or their own private building, they carry out the actions depicted on it. These actions might enable them to craft their hand of cows to make for a more lucrative hand once they reach the end of the trail, purchase new cow cards, move along an important railroad track tied to income and point scoring associated with deliveries at the trail end, build buildings to enhance their future trips along the trail, clear hazards to make the path more traversable, or hire employees, making them more effective at raising cattle, building buildings, and running up the railroad track. Great Western Trail is all about doing just enough along the trail to improve your position without spending time taking extraneous actions that would be wonderful to have time for, but ultimately slow the player down too much. Once a player reaches the end of the loop, they receive income based on the combined value of unique cow cards in their hand, which is moderately taxed based on how far up the railroad track they've gone so far. After delivering, they move their rancher back to the start of the loop and take another trip around the trail. The game's timer is controlled by the number of loops taken overall, so there's strong incentive to keep moving down the trail, but the income system encourages players to take their time and craft a strong hand. There's real tension there. Layered over all of this are objective cards players can draft for accomplishing certain tasks, and the game's player interaction comes from competition for limited resources in the cattle market, along the railroad track, and on the map itself, where players choose to build buildings in private locations can highly impact the overall shape of the decision space. It's important to take note that buildings included in each play are variable, and the location of public buildings are randomized as well, making the game's decision space variable. At game end, players tally their points, which come from cowboys they've added to their hand, cows they've added to their hand, not cowboys, buildings they've built, hazards they've cleared, objectives they've uh, accomplished, stations and cities they've delivered to, money they have remaining, and employees they've hired. The player with the most points is crowned the victor. Thank you, Brendan. That was fantastic. 10 out of 10, as always, my friend. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. That was a big one. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's get straight into the deep dive portion of this episode. As we always do, let's start first by characterizing the decision space in Great Western Trail, starting with the, let's start with like the type. What is the overall type of this decision space to you? And I think it's a tricky one. Well, this is really interesting because now I'm going off of thinking about your your comments and feedback about the game, how I, I think mechanically a lot of the game feels like a waxing decision space. Over the game, you're growing in terms of your agency, you're in, uh, improving your board so that whenever you do these sort of little actions like gaining money or drawing cards, you can do more of those things. Whenever you're moving, you can move further whenever uh, you have more cards in your hand, which should allow you to get more money and do more things. Uh, but I think in reality, and based on what you said, Jake, I think the decision space in terms of the feasible decisions maybe does wane a little bit. Um, and just because you're doing more uh, expensive things, more enticing things that are down the decision paths a little bit, uh, doesn't mean you're necessarily actually making more decisions, uh, which might be an interesting distinction of Great Western Trail, right? Just because your mechanical 
your experience of agency in the game feels like it's growing doesn't necessarily mean that you're making more decisions or doing more with it. And I think in Great Western Trail, it seems like you're sort of doing the same. Though importantly, I do think how you enhance and augment the board is the the big uh, factor that changes this here. I think if you are building buildings out of the board, it is changing how you can make decisions. And certainly it waxes a little bit at the start as you piece together what your path will be and figure out how you're going to work around your opponents. What do you think? I do agree in kind of what you're getting at when you have this sense of like waning decisions as you kind of at the beginning of the game, your paths, uh, and we'll talk kind of about like uh, what the traditional types of builds as like your strategic path to go down are. And at the beginning of the game, of course, that's wide open. Um, You could pursue any strategy, but I've found in my place that once you start pursuing a strategy, the game really incentivizes you to continue down that path in a lot of ways, uh, which can make that, you know, actual, you know, the objective decision space, as we might describe it, right? You have a, a, a larger decision space. You can move further. You can do different things. But like what you're actually viable to pursuing that strategy that you've already chosen sort of shrinks down a bit. So I think in that way, it feels kind of waning from the strategic horizon perspective. Mm. But when I think about like how many viable options I have on my turns, I don't think that really changes very much over the course of the game, which kind of gives it a fairly static feel. Mm. Uh, so that's I'm kind of like between those two. I'm not sure uh, what side I come down on, but I definitely don't get a waxing impression at all, just in my experience playing this game. And I feel like the constraints around, you know, how many viable decisions, like what your strategic horizons are at any time, definitely don't change dramatically enough to, again, give me a sense that, okay, no, it's really a dynamic space because sometimes it's big and sometimes it's small because it's all so tightly confined. I think Great Western Trail, it might be one of those games where different plays are going to take different shapes for different players because... There is the potential for you to approach the game strategically quite differently, right? So I've definitely had plays where maybe in a three player game where my opponents don't end up putting that many buildings on the board and I am able to upgrade movement on my board early so I can move five spaces. Sometimes that will give me the sense of uh, that sort of energy that I was talking about where I'm zipping around the board, just running loops around my opponents. And there I feel the waxing a little bit just because I'm looking at more options of buildings. But there's also, in contrast, other plays where the building is totally clogged with, or the board, excuse me, is totally clogged with buildings. I constantly have no money because everyone has, <laughs> you know, blunted yeah. what we can do. And there, I feel like the decision space really shrinks. So to me, I don't necessarily feel like I'm always doing about the same because how much money I have really affects my agency and what spaces I can stop at versus what spaces I have to stop at and what I can do there. Um, but I agree on average. I don't, I think it, it wanes in nature as the game goes on just by uh, necessity of pursuing the strategy that you've uh, you've run towards. Right. It, 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 it values strategic commitment to some extent. Yeah. And even in your example of like where you've upgraded movement, there aren't so many buildings on the board. Like yeah. you might be pursuing in that case, a strategy of like getting to the end of the line and, and making many deliveries of cows, right? Like that's sort of, uh in it, the benefit of having that movement uh one of the benefits at that point so like are is moving one space like really 
something you're kind of considering that situation like yeah it's an option maybe on a very fringe case it's like okay i like absolutely have to have that space to complete an objective or something but i think like in general just because you're moving five you're still probably mostly exploring the decision space that is like what if i move four what if i move five yeah definitely i think that's true let's move on from that and sort of like what other kind of thoughts you have about uh, the decision space in this game. Like, let's talk about like the size. I think we've kind of gotten to that a little bit. Like, how many things are you really considering on your turn? Because I feel like the decision space turn to turn is really small. Like, almost mm. like feeling it almost feels like kind of like a little micro turn in some in some sense. That's really interesting. I feel like the things that I'm considering are the job market, the cattle market. Usually, not always. If I don't have cowboys or very many cowboys, then I'm not. If I don't have money, I'm probably not looking at those things. But I'm always looking at the job market. Um, and I am looking at the the buildings on the board. But to your point, I think one interesting thing about Great Western Trail is how the buildings that are used in a given game, because the buildings are modular, mm-hmm. come out and where people build really matters at the start. And then once those decisions are made, their impact is felt turn to turn, but you're not reconsidering the consequences right. of them once you've experienced them. Um, so I guess for me, it feels huge and then it shrinks and comes into focus and really narrows. Like the first turn of the game where you can start anywhere on the trail is like, yeah, you have a lot of options and it's going to be really impactful what you pick. But once you're on the trail, like once you're in the middle of the game, I mean, I'm not looking necessarily at, I'm not starting my turn saying like, what's the job market? What's the cattle market? Like my thought process is like, okay, what spaces can I move to? Okay, there's two that are like, you know, not my opponent's spaces or whatever, right? Yeah. And then I'm just looking at, okay, well, this, you know, I feel like so many times I get into a situation, you just find yourself in a situation. I don't think this is a result of like good or bad play where it's like, okay, I can move to two spaces. This one mm. is like r- good, benefits my strategy that I'm already pursuing, helps me get an objective uh, task that I need. Uh, this one, I don't have the type of cow card in my hand to get the bonus for it. Uh, and it's just way less optimal. So, you know, like, I feel like a good proportion of my turns of this are honestly like not decisions at all. Like you can mm-hmm. just so quickly narrow down to a single space. And then once you get into a space, some of them are really interesting, right? Like and create a bigger decision space. Like if you're building buildings and have many different options, but I think the vast majority of them are pretty straightforward. I feel like part of that too, and just to take a step back, we've, I think in general, we try to get, avoid getting too deep in the conversation of strategy and tactics on the show, um, whether or not a game focuses more on strategy or more on tactics. And I think we've sort of tabled that lens in pursuit of others. And Great Western Trail might be a good time to bring it back and talk about it a little bit. Because I feel like partially what you're saying too, Jake, is I think Great Western Trail is a game of High, in terms of the decisions are offered, their strategic decisions are highly emphasized and consequential, and the tactical decisions feel somewhat rote and dictated by the strategic decisions you're making. And I think that's what you're running up against, right? Like, I made these decisions, so in my turn to turn, I'm bored because I must do X. I think that's, I think that's a great point. And I should also highlight the fact that 
I've played this game once in person on the table and I play this game a lot asynchronously. So when, Mm. you know, and that might, and I think it, it probably is the case that a lot of that frustration is really highlighted by that asynchronous play where it's like, I click on the game, it loads the board. I have to like, look at all these different things to like, remember what objectives I'm pursuing, what workers I have, uh, you know, what cards I have in my hand, where I'm at, where my train is mm. at on the trail. And then I have to look at all that. And then I then can look at what's in front of me and like, okay, I don't even have any options here. <laughs> so I just like do the thing like that was not fun. And I think yeah. that like creates this impression that this game on a turn to turn basis, like for me is not very engaging or exciting However, of course, if you zoom that lens out to like not thinking about like, is this fun, like turn to turn, but like, because you can totally, you know, plan like three turns down the line in this game, right? Like I'm going to go here, get some money, then I'm going to go here, get this, and then I'm going to do go, you know, to a third space or then I'm selling and I'll likely have X amount of, you know, I'm I'm gambling, I'm going to have like this amount of cattle points in my hand. Uh, so that I'll be able to deliver at this particular station, which gives me this. Like, that is fun, right? Yeah. You know, that actually enables some amount of uh, critical thinking, um, you know? But then you're just implementing it. In practice, on turn to turn. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one interesting thing to provide some context. So I, this game, the first time I started playing it was on board game arena in december and it is nearly the end of march now when as of the time of recording this and i had this really wild like high like i really liked great western trail obsessed with it couldn't stop thinking of it played a ton of games really crested came down and i was like i really don't like this game there's so much that's bugging me and i've come back up as i've been able to appreciate I think I came into it and I was like, wow, this is amazing. My tactical decisions are fun. My strategic decisions are fun. Then I sort of came down and I was like, I'm not loving my turn to turn decisions in this game. I don't feel like I'm solving an interesting puzzle. And then I think the more I played, the more I appreciated how different games, how differently they would play out and how synergies between certain buildings being in the pool, how the jar market would shape out, that the strategic puzzle became really interesting. And I think we both have a preference for games with really interesting tactical puzzles. And I've come to appreciate more and more as the more I've played the greater fun of cracking the strategic nut of a given game. And it is a slower burn. So that's how I've sort of come to enjoy it more is like exploring these hybrid strategies where I'm not just like, okay, this game, I'm doing big cows and I'm only getting cowboys and I'm putting all my money into buying these cow cards to get my points or this game. I'm just trying to get to the end of the track with my engineers. And that's what I'm doing. I'm going to push this button six times and sort of been like, can I go into builders and use that to play into cowboys? Or can I get one cowboy and use that to enable good deliveries for builders and what does that look like so i think that if you're a person who likes tactical decisions this might not be a decision space for you and that to me that's a really interesting thing and i think it's also why great western trail is still talked about as much as it is now because the people who want that strategic meaty stew found a strategic meaty stew that is always going to be different but familiar and fun yeah that's really interesting and it also gives me a little bit of hope because my uh kind of process 
with this thinking about this game really is mirrored your the first two parts right yeah, <laughs> like i yeah. really did enjoy this game a lot i was excited to play it more and explore it more uh but that excitement has just like consistently waned to the point now where i feel like i'm at rock bottom like i don't think i keep playing this and i'll be like oh now i think this game is bad um you know i don't think you'd I rather ever play get... praga definitely yeah yeah which i think is actually a great uh great comparison to this game is one I, I was thinking about as well in in the sense that like i feel like a lot of turns in praga are also play play out for you sure you yep. know you look at the board and evaluate and it's like okay well obviously i take the most incentivized action and out of those two there's only one that helps me you know yeah. so i think it has yeah. that like similar frustration um and interestingly the more i played praga I feel like I am kind of now coming up on an upswing as, you know, started yeah. high, went lower and now going back up. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in a year from now, if I have a, a better impression of this game, if I play it more. <laughs> sure. Which we'll see if it, if it can live up to that. I have another, I'm curious, Jake. So we talked about the first decision of the game. Yeah. Can I, I want to, I want to, bounce something off of you sometimes in film criticism they you'll talk about the opening shot of a movie right as being this really powerful moment for the director to establish what the film is going to be about or to just imbue the whole experience with real energy right you like have what's the first thing you see the, literally the first thing you see right um so I think that we have an opportunity with our lens to talk about the first decision in the game. And some games don't use this in an interesting way. The first decision you make isn't that much different than a lot of the other decisions you make, and it might be equally consequential. But Great, Great Western Trail does not just start you at the beginning of the trail. It sort of said it has this single moment where you get to choose wherever you would like to start on the out of all of the public buildings that start seated onto the board. And for me, it sort of does become this really cool opening decision moment. That's a treatise on what this is about, which is a game about understanding how the buildings have randomly seated onto the board what the relationship between them is and how that's going to shape what buildings are good. What, uh, what actions are going to be emphasized in this game and what actions are going to be worse. Because if things come consistently towards the end of the trail, people are going to find themselves without as much money. It's going to be more difficult, potentially, unless they augment their trail, uh, more difficult to utilize them efficiently. So part of my joy has just been in learning how to interpret the puzzle and make interesting first decisions. Um, so I love that about this game. I think that's one of my favorite things. I think that could also be a criticism, right? If one of my favorite things is interpreting the puzzle <laughs> at the very beginning of the game and the first decision I make, right. that could spell disaster. Why not? It just certainly gives credence to this argument that this is like mostly a strategic game, right? Sure. In a mostly strategic game, of course, your most impactful, important, and fun decisions are going to be front loaded. Yeah. Because uh, that's how strategy works. Yo, abso yeah, absolutely. I, I do. I think that's really cool too. I think it's a really interesting thing to highlight. And uh, but also in practice, like, do you find yourself gravitating towards like what are some spaces that you like first? You really feel like it's wide open, or do you feel like you're mostly going to be putting down a building or getting some workers first? Yeah, in practice, you're doing one of those two things typically, yeah, what, right? right? Yeah, which kind of gets back to my point, where it's like the space is like it ends up being kind of small even if it presents bigger 
I think that there are times where you start with a maybe a strong hand and there's right. and and those actions are towards the beginning of the trail. So you make the decision to make an early delivery. You go to the end of the trail um, such that you can take some action that's going to be moderately beneficial, deliver, get a boost of money, and then maybe double hire on your next time around. And I like that decision because double hiring is so, so good. It's like potentially one of the most valuable things you can do, especially early in the game. If you can hire two employees who are really the... Employees are the engine of this game in a lot of ways. If there's so many systems in this game, right? There's the rondelle, there's handcrafting, there's buildings that you're adding to board. There's this pun based, it's not pun based, I shouldn't say that. There's a railroad track that's an actual track that you're moving down. But really, the employees dictate what you can do and how much you can do and why you might do something as much as the scoring incentives do. Definitely. So maybe we, we talk about that. Yeah. Because this I- could be like hiring employees the game. Yeah, I think like, and when I say this game feels like it focuses you into a specific strategic path, that's what I'm referring to. It's like, what type of worker are you prioritizing? And and so there's cowboys, builders, and engineers. We get let's talk about all of them, but okay, just on that strategic path thing, like it feels like is really cowboys and engineers to me as like the ones that really make sense to like pursue as a main strategy. Okay. So I think that my path with the game, when I came in, I was all team big cowboys. I'm just riding my, my herd of cattle. I want to buy all of the juicy fives and fours and get all the amazing points printed on them. And I was like, I can just, I'll just hire all these nice little cowboys they're going to buy me these cows and I'm going to do what it is, which is Great Western Trail. I'm going to take the cows. Then I was like, okay, wait, I'm, I need to I need to branch out. If I'm doing cowboys, I'll do engineers. So then I got some comfort with engineers. I said, okay, I'll move down this trail. But then I was like, this builder, she looks very nice. Maybe maybe I should. I, the buildings are fun. You can upgrade things. And if I put this here, then other people are going to have to change what they do. And I started exploring builders. And now I think builders are my favorite way to play. Really? Really? And you've had success with that strategy compared yes. to the others. <laughs> it's I think builders are really hard as a strategy if you're just doing builders. Right. I think it's tough to like go all the way in on builders in the way that you can go in all the way in on cowboys or all the way in on engineers. And with builders, to some extent, you have to have a little bit of a hybrid approach where like I'll pick up one cowboy or two cowboys, uh, which will help me on the efficiency side of just making sure i can upgrade my deck a little bit um and then get my buildings going and i think buildings for me are all about uh efficient paths to money and it it all depends too some games builders are better when you can end up in situations where you have two really synergistic buildings that play off each other and also if your opponents aren't pursuing building as much you can end up in two spots that are really synergistic and there's buildings that let you move after using them so if i can because no one else is building if i can claim two spots maybe you know at the beginning of the board jake that southern area mm-hmm. uh, the sort of marshland behind the floodwaters uh <laughs> that give you <laughs> that's what it is that give you extra benefit for discarding gray cards I found that that can be really effective if other people aren't going for it. And I don't see in the early game a lot of water hazards. I'll sort of like camp out there and really push on just discarding cards and trying to get money that way. And it's been fun and efficient. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll have to take your word for that because I definitely have 
pursued all three strategies in like an academic pursuit and have not been able to unpick that knot with the builders. And, and I, and like, and and also I think like from like a competitive perspective, like why try when like the other ones just seem like they flow so effortlessly, you know, and like seem to really uh, snowball just like into themselves yeah, I do think one of the my criticisms, right, this might be an important point to talk about it is like, interaction on the board doesn't feel that meaningful. At most, you're taxing each other or forcing people to pay the bank by going through hazards, which is just annoying. It's like, hey, Jake, the, your life sucks a little bit more today. Uh, but I think that critics of that commentary, and maybe I myself is, am going to be one and refute it, is that the real interaction is around finding the right balance between what employees to be buying and what you're doing impacts what I want to do and what Joe over here is doing impacts what each of us want to do and timing when you're making certain employee purchases because the cost of them varies greatly is really important. So that's really the interaction, right? Is how the entangled functions of the employees affect the entangled strategic paths. And if, if you and me go all in on cowboys, all of a sudden our cowboys get way worse. We're competing in the cattle market and we're snatching up all the high value ones and someone's having to pay to refill it. It just does. Yeah. No, it yeah. totally does. I mean, like one tiny little baby action to refill it. Like, I think... I think it adds up. I think it I, adds I'm up. sure it adds up. I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever taken that action in the in the, hmm. all of my plays i'd just be like uh, i'll just like get this like white cow or whatever or not the, oh, the yellow, the yellow? The yellow. <laughs> oh, it's garbage you don't don't take them they're so bad i think those are like the worst card of the game i think the the yellow cows are like worse than the the orange seminal cows the ones that are in the oh, i'm fine i'm fine taking the yellow cow early oh. income going you know um i feel like i also want to say for the listeners not that i'm like good at this game but this is not one of the ones that you've been like smoking me at we've definitely gone back and forth about yeah it. definitely yeah. yeah um but yeah i think like i hear what you're saying about interaction in this game and i too would say like if somebody said there's no interaction in great western trail i'd be like that's not true but if somebody said like there's basically no interaction of great western trail i'd be like that's correct that's true yeah. <laughs> so it's like we are talking like like degrees here and i mean like I don't know. It is. It does seem weird to me. I, I have a sense that like people that love Great Western Trail, and this is maybe just from talking to people in our Discord, um, where, where there are like many fans of this, like don't don't feel like Great Western Trail is would fit into that like multiplayer solitaire Euro game in the. But but I don't know. Like for me, like the interaction, it feels extremely extremely slight i think that there can be really intense moments of interaction when the core building happens when the board is defined the board starts with relatively some definition in terms of where the public buildings are and then you define it more by adding your own buildings and there are moments where you can just punch someone in the gut like you know like early decision you go here then someone puts a building down and it totally messes up everything you're trying to do because for the rest of the game it's slowing down your path and you really hope to go there and in a frustrating way but I think after those, it feels roughly as much interactive as Castles of Burgundy does. That, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think that's so funny. I was saying the exact same example. Like, yeah, yeah. I think Castle of Burgundy and this feel very analogous in terms of the amount of player interaction. Um, 
Which is to say, there definitely is some, but, you know, I don't think, like, you're playing this game to have, like, a really strong, like, interactive experience with your opponents. Like, you're playing this game to, like, do a shared puzzle that has, like, slight elements of... uh, I I mean, as I think about it, I think there's a little bit more in Castlevania, but in, in either case, like, they're kind of in that same tier of, like, yeah, there's elements where what your opponents do matter but you're not really like super interacting with each other i think i just said the same thing over and over again in the same way but i think you get what i'm saying i think importantly too in in highly strategic games that are built on these sort of entangled strategic paths where decisions here affect how good decisions are over here one important point that we should make about games like this and why it doesn't necessarily feel as interactive is because if the game pushed us to interact more we would probably choose not to do that and go do the third thing that would be more incentivized right now, right? So like if you two are like really interacting if in a three-player game, if you're really interacting in the cattle market or you're really competing for stations up on the railroad track, I'm probably not going to put my eggs in that basket too and join you in that dance. I'm probably going to focus on finding a more efficient path to points that I'm competing less in. So in that way, the sort of Euro efficiency demands of the game push us in separate directions. There are times when we will connect, but overall the incentives of the game and the way it's structured say kind of run in different directions, except where you are going to bump a little bit. So I I don't know. Yeah. And I think that is exactly the same way it manifests in, you know, so many of these other European uh, Euro efficiency puzzle games. Yeah. Castle is the same way. If somebody's racing out to, finish all their ships first you know maybe say like oh nobody's nobody's <laughs> built many animals so i'm gonna do, i'll do that instead do, do that instead yeah yeah um so yeah but we agree right in general it's a low interaction game though not zero and i i do wonder right like there's this one of the reasons for that is that my the primary way that we interact with the game the two ways are our hand and the shared space on the board. Our hand is personal. The board is shared. But the board is only half shared because you can make decisions on the board that affect how effective certain decisions are for me. But I I don't care what your spaces are as much at, for my own actions. I just care that they're there. And right. if they tax me, right, it's not like I can interact with your building and somewhat necessarily so because then... It, we don't need to get into why, but basically like if I could use your buildings, it really disincentivizes you even building it in the first place and like all these other things. So it's like this veneer of shared space when really we're kind of playing in parallel paths, right? You know what I think it is? Uh, I just thought of this because what you said is like, this is a strategic game and what you can interact with is sort of the turn to turn tactics, which there are very yeah. little impact, of. but yeah. you can't really interact with somebody's strategy. Outside of uh, opportunity by taking what they might want. Right. And if you take what they want, it, it's, it's, it's like almost like not viable because that's right. Unless you're pursuing the exact same strategy, which we already just said, the game doesn't incentivize necessarily, I guess, except for in a two player game. Um, but, you know, in, in a three or a four player game, if you're just like, okay, somebody needs this worker, you know, so I'm going to take it. Like, unless you're doing that, you're just like spiting, you, you know, what is it like what's the expression zero sum like, no Wait. like like spiting, oh, spiting your yourself at the self despite their... you're, you're you're spurring yourself not the cow 
Is that the? <laughs> <laughs> You're building a building with it's like it's like screws and a hammer. Spiting it's like spiting your face to like something your nose. You're tooting the locomotion where locomotive where no one's around to hear it. Cutting off one's nose to spite <laughs> one's face. There it is, Brendan. <laughs> so there's a decision that kind of ties into this, actually. <laughs> the objectives, Jake. Oh my god, we're getting off the rails. Let's get no, back. No, no, we're on the rails. The deci- oh, this, this exact the decision. the rails. Yeah, yeah, we're on the rails. The, the choo-choo deci- rails, if you will. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think the... I want to talk about the decisions around the objective cards. What do you think of the objective cards? What do you think about the decisions they offer? And how interesting are they? And then maybe we can talk about the the deliveries after that. Because those are like the two, like two decision points. I think those are my two favorite parts of the game. I like the objectives. I think they give you a, like the ability. Something we talked a lot about on the show is like the ability to like call your shot. So it gives mm. you that opportunity of like a smaller term strategic planning or like a tactical thing where it's like, I think at this point in the game, I can take this objective and I'll have the time to do space, you know, X and Y in order to get these missing tasks. Really quickly, I don't think I covered this in the rules overview. So just just too much. There's this objective system in the game where you, so you have your hand of cattle cards that you're trying to efficiently manage and you can add these objective cards to your deck and they don't do anything when they're in your deck. They don't increase your income. And you can either leave them in your deck um, and they'll just make you a little bit less efficient or you can play them for an action. But if you play them for an action, you've committed to doing achieving that objective, at which point if you don't do it, you'll get negative points. Whereas if you just leave it in your deck, you don't get negative points for it. It just gives you an efficiency. But I think the game super incentivizes you to play something once it's in your hand, right? Like it how can you not almost? Really tough to not want to play the objectives once you draw them yeah i completely agree and just because like that so then it's gonna like you're just gonna deliver to a worse station and get less money and that's just seems like a bigger drawback than potentially losing two or three points um and you also get the extra incentive to play it which is that many if not all of the objectives uh give you a special ability when you play it which is maybe like two coins or moving three spaces further down the trail uh, or discarding a couple of cards from your hand and re- refilling to hopefully get better cows to deliver, which I like too. I think that uh, is fun and it's something that can kind of spice up a turn that, as we've mentioned, like on turn to turn can be really rote and, and actually like open up the decision space a little bit more. Yeah. So I think it's fun. I also really like that fundamentally Great Western Trail has a time limit on the game based on the number of players that are in it and the deliveries that happen, right? Because every time you deliver in this game, the job market fills up a little bit more and it pushes the the game end timer further. So the more there's a certain number of loops that all players are going to get to take. So understanding how fast people are moving around the board and when the game is going to end becomes a core skill. And I like that the objective system matches this because those small little actions can be really impactful early. So if if I think the game is going to go longer because people are going to either you know fill the game up with buildings and we're not going to be able to upgrade our movement or we're not I don't know. We're for yeah, that's basically the reason. Um or people are really just going to every single building because they have this really efficient chain of buildings close together rather than buildings spread out. Um so the game goes longer because they're making these quick stops then maybe I'm going to play more objectives in the mid game because I know it's going to be longer. 
But if it's going to be a fast game, someone upgrades movement early. Most people aren't building their buildings under the board and you can just zip around. It changes the math and uh, the efficiency of the your potential to achieve the directions. And I like that, that it sort of forces you to think about what other people are doing at least a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And then moving on to the delivery where you get points for delivering unique cows. So you won't get points for double black cows. You only get to score the black cows you have once. Um, I really like that. To me, I feel like the handcrafting that happens is like the fun, unique thing about this game. Like that's kind of, to me, the hook of it. And I think it also is what creates the most excitement in the game where you kind of have these like, moments that you know they're not like super crazy jackpots but it feels like a little bit of a jackpot when you get to the last space or maybe you have an exchange token so you can discard two cards and you're really hoping to get a certain high value cow or maybe just like not a gray cow please in order to achieve a certain point value with your hand that unlocks your ability to go to a valuable station that feels like really fun and satisfying uh when your kind of plan comes together right at the end i like too that well two things one i've heard people pitch this as deck building and i really don't feel like it is there is this element of adding new cards to your deck but to me the more prioritized thing because you only play your hand down all at once at the end of a loop feels like hand management so i'd call it like a hand management system where you're augmenting your deck more than like me too deck building game but I think the delivery system where the more valuable your hand is, the further you get to move down this track and you're getting more rewarding, you're getting more victory points or you're getting the ability to enhance your board, which is really early game. That's what matters so much to you. You want to land on one of those vital sort of black uh, outline spaces. Oh, it's huge. It's early on. Chicago and Toledo. If you can on your second loop or third loop delivered to Chicago and upgrade something, it's massive. I think that can, it can really lead to like these snowballing uh, victories in the game too. Definitely. Definitely. And I like situations, Jake, where like the game, maybe because these are in two value increments, right? Like maybe early on you get, and you get points for delivering to two spaces next to each other. Usually just delivering to a single space doesn't necessarily give you points. So for example, if you fill in 10 and 12, Chicago and Toledo, you'll get six victory points. If you just go to Chicago, you won't get any, right? So over the game, it's sort of saying, where do you think you're going on average? Do you think you're going up? Do you think this was a high point for your deck and it's being tough to go up again? And I think that's interesting when decisions come up like that, where it's like, maybe I have something on uh, 10 and 12, and then I get a 14. Um, well, I'm going to do it there. Do you go know what I'm saying? That's, maybe there's an interesting <laughs> gap. There and is. I have to decide if I'm going up or going down and I can deliver slightly more inefficiently if I think I don't need the money and I need the points. Like if you have six yeah. you, and now you have the ability to go to 10, like you're probably taking it, but that means you're going to really want to try and fill in eight at some point later in the game. Uh, or maybe you have just like an astronomically high one where it's like, okay, I could just like go hit like 16 now or something, but like, what are the odds I'm going to, then be able to fill in to that or around that. I see what you're saying. This also plays into an important change between the first edition and this edition, which is that you can deliver, opt to deliver to Kansas City, which is just the destination of the trail. You show up and you're like, okay, we're done. We're not trying to ship our cattle anywhere else. And if you do this, you get a nice little bonus of gold, of money. 
uh, but you lose six victory points. And in the early version of this game, you receive more gold because it was so powerful that people would just go and deliver to Kansas City over and over again because having the gold was really valuable. I think that, that still happens in the second edition of Great West Trail, and it's still really good. I find myself, there's some games where I'll just give myself negative 12 points so I can have that early game money because if it sets me up to double buy right employees that's just so big that it doesn't matter i think it's hard to it's hard to pass on it at least once yeah you know we that was one of the questions up manatee in our discord asked that we touched on which is specifically like do you go to that space you think at least once Yeah, yeah that's how i feel too i also think that to me this offers some of the most interesting tactical decisions in the game uh of like that's an interesting tactical question given the game state right now do i deliver to kansas city what if i have a really crappy hand and i have four do i just go to kansas city again or do i just accept that i'm gonna have to deliver to st louis um and i'm not getting value for it and then what am i gonna then deliver to the one at six and like i'm gonna get these crap awards so it's it there's interesting like do i double down can i make it better by going here and also if you deliver to new york it feels like an achievement. That's what it really the does. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's like, I love that moment. That's a high moment in this game. And it doesn't come from a decision, but it comes as the uh, sort of culmination of all the decisions you made in a way that feels really rewarding, which I want in strategic games, right? I want long-term payoffs for the strategies I've gone down. They shouldn't just be incremental. It should be this really big, hooray, you did it moment. Right. And you get that in this game. It comes to the fruition and you get to see it maybe happening. Your hand's getting there, your hand's getting there. Am I going to draw the five that I need to get me there? You top deck it after discarding two. That feels awesome. And that's for me, like some of the strength of Great Western Trail and also why I like playing Cowboys. Yeah, I think that's one of the way. So that's how the Cowboys steamrolls. And I think the way... uh the engineer steamrolls is like you have these plays of this game uh, where you can also, as you move your train down the track, you can go to these different stations. Yes. Uh, and if you're, and I've had plays this game where it just feels like for whatever reason, the board is set up in a way that I'm just able to get first to every early station. station. And when you do that, you get some immediate bonus. You can also put down one of the workers you currently have to get a long-term benefit, which can be Leave like them behind. Yeah, you just leave mine. You're like, you work here now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you work for me. <laughs> and, you establish uh, a branch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so some of them, it's like you get permanent. Like your hands are always worth one for the rest of the game. Yeah, and yeah. The certificates. The certificate. Enhance you. Yeah. yeah. And also like it could also be end of game scoring. So it just does everything you want. And, you know, it's kind of had like fun plays where I'm like, going engineers and I just keep buying engineers and dropping off engineers. And every time you get a new engineer, you also get a benefit from adding them to you. So like the value is just like, it just seems really crazy, insane to the point where it's, if that path strategically is open to me, like I just, it, it makes me feel, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'll try builders. And then I'm just like, why did I do that? Well, I, <laughs> one thing I love about that system too, Jake, is that it plays with, everyone has their own player board. And whenever you buy an employee, there's a chance that the spot you add them to is going to let you do a special effect. So if, and some of the effects on the engineer track, like the third engineer you buy, you just get to hire someone at a discount of two, which is really effective. So if you can put down three engineers, get a hiring discount and hire maybe a cowboy to make your deliveries more efficient. Then you can make a delivery, leave an engineer there, 
So you uncover that bonus spot that if you buy another engineer and put them down, you're going to buy at a discount. That's a really efficient loop that you can end up in that's fun. And I like that this strategy allows you to play with that bonus action system. Yeah, okay, definitely. But, so cowboys are just like cowboys. They're like they're the basic strat, I think, in a lot of ways, right? They're like the, the peanut butter. I think that engineers are really cool because they play with this other track part of the board and they loop into cowboys in that way. But I think builders are so fun, Jake. I think you're sleeping on them because they have this whole way that they interact with the hazard system and everyone else gets to suffer and all your spaces are so cool. Like everyone else is like sleeping out in the wilderness and you have these amazing, you know, chateaus that you're going to stay at with your herd. I, I like another question uh, that we got is sort of like how the different strategies play into each other. So I think like a lot of the time, a lot of times like you're doing engineers splashing cowboys or you're doing like cowboys splashing builders. So like, cause you want to get to the end of the track and build them all because then you get a ton of victory points at the end by having a fifth and sixth worker down on the board. So I really do like my favorite strategies have been engineers splash builders or cowboys splash builders. Like it seems like, you get a lot of value by buying one or two builders so that you can get some early buildings down, which is going to just like bother your opponents and give you some like small incremental cash over the course of the game. But like, I haven't found for me, like when I'm doing mostly builders, right? Keep layers, like get builders to the end. Like that hasn't been successful to me. Like builders splash something else. I really like builders. uh, If you you can do builders and, Splashing engineers is a little bit harder, but I think splashing cowboys really works well. Will you just do a little bit? But I also like uh, going all all in on builders and all in on engineers, or a little bit of builders and a lot of engineers. Building six A is a pretty cool one, especially if building five uh, B is in the game. These buildings five B lets you get as much money as you have engineers, and six A lets you move your train as many spaces as you have engineers. So if you can go an early builder to get those buildings out efficiently, then pivot to engineers, you could just be like rolling a dough. Your railroad is zipping down the track and you just, you're, you're ruling the whole West. It feels great. And I like that that's not available in all games too, right? Like there's certain strategies that the setup of the game says this strategy is emphasized and this strategy is de-emphasized, which I've I've basically already said, but it's an important point. Yeah, and sometimes like with the, with the one or two builder strategies, like I don't even care what building I put somewhere. Like I'm probably I'm not going to use upgrade. it. I'm trying to upgrade it, or just like even just like everybody's going to have to go buy this, and it's going to slow them down. That one step uh, yep. can be good in and of itself. Okay, um, can we talk really quickly about one more building? Okay. Okay, the mansion, (laughs) 11A, the 20-point building. This, to me, is the sort of like other version of delivering to New York, right? If you play builders and you get to slap down this building that gives you 20 victory points and lets you remove two hazards from the board for two bucks each, potentially getting you the payout of spending $4 and getting eight victory points in Great Western Trail, that just feels amazing. And sometimes you get to do it twice. And then the, the analogous home run for engineers is, of course, getting to the final location at the very end of the track station 10 where you get nine victory points that's another like okay i hit a home run in some ways yeah. and i like that there's home runs that you can hit out of the park with all strategic strategic paths yeah and interestingly like my strategies haven't culminated with those big 
payoffs as much as like it's just the efficiency you kind of get along the way like on your way to the nine point station like you're hitting the seven point station and the the five point station right and it's like almost like it's more incremental with engineers for sure and the same with the cowboys right where it's like the real value to me is like being able to get those like black delivery cities first sure like early on right and that and, sets you up for later and getting a bunch of money from strong deliveries where right, maybe your exactly. engineers move down yep where it almost matters less achieving that goal but it is fun that it has the ability to do it yep we're kind of coming to the end of this i think one just not to end on like a negative note like but what do you think of the actual like worker market because i think it's kind of just needlessly complex and strange and doesn't really add a lot of value Mm. where it's just you know it's like yeah you can look at it and it's just weird to me like okay i have to pick like between a worker and a hazard and when you pick a hazard it seems like often really obvious where you want to place it because you don't want to increase the value of your opponent's uh buildings and then like you have different workers that's like okay i'll put these out here but now i can't even buy them right away so i guess i just do the one i don't want or whatever right i I don't feel like the decisions are interesting it seems like adds a ton of complexity to the game and if anything like i feel like like what does it matter that it's just weird that like they have all these like vastly different costs i and i think that can be hugely impactful i think it adds I think the game wanted needs to have a way to incentivize you to want to deliver quickly. So it does that through the job market. And it also has to have a way to incentivize, like I'm the one who gets to say what happens with those hazards, right? Like if I'm going builders, I need my Southern strategy, my clear path on the bottom with those water ones to be clear. So it gives me an incentive to do suboptimal things and make some interesting tactical decisions where I pass up efficiency on the board this loop to ensure I keep my efficiency high over the course of a few turns. And I like that the board looking there gives you a sense for what people aren't doing in terms of employees that are left um, because it's what's remaining. Though you still have to look at your opponent's boards. I, I agree that it's complex and the the varying cost. In some ways, I think what I'm hearing you say, Jake, is you're like, I wish that placing these were really interesting strate- tactical decisions of impact. And instead, I feel like they're little eddies of strategic bumps that sort of in their uh, totality wash over the game and really do matter. But you don't have those exciting moments where you're like, I get to deliver and it's this amazing tactical moment yeah. where I'm deciding these special things. The tactical payoff does not is not equivalent to the complexity. I remember like learning this game uh, in the first time, especially the first time I played it in person, I was just like learning at a game night. And it was just like, it is like so freaking confusing to me like it feels like a bookkeeping moment in a lot of ways it's just fiddly it's just fiddly and it just makes me say like why i don't know i I think that'd be it'd be interesting if in future iterations of this game if that was one of the areas of innovation like let's try something different with how these workers come out what do you think about the cattle market being refilled being linked to that because i do think for me, I found those decisions can be interesting. If I'm not playing cows and I, or if I am playing cows, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm just going to throw down the engineers and these builders, even though I could be instead going with a different option. I could be not giving my 
opponent's employees they need, but I need this market refilled. So I'll do that. And it creates these trade-offs. Eh, I think it's pretty rare. I think that you'd actually come into this situation where that's like a super meaningful trade-off. And at most you're, you know, it's just because like, I think it'd be interesting, more interesting if like the other thing you weren't selecting was discarded or something like that yeah but because it's still just sitting there it's just like it's going to be like what one or two turns before the person gets there who wants it and puts it down anyway sure sure and like that can be all the difference in the world but like in the moment of like making decisions i just like okay it just doesn't feel impactful or fun in the way that i feel like so many of these uh tactical i i mean so many of these like i guess like uh efficiency puzzle games which this also is just from a more strategic lens yeah do in a more fun and intuitive way but it's a, it's really a small critique yeah definitely what's your favorite player count to play this out jake because they all feel pretty different because they the do board feel doesn't different. scale i don't really have a preference i i haven't i normally i'm like okay i've really enjoyed my plays at this count more than other but to be honest like i don't feel like they do. They feel different just because like the board changes so much more and gets yep. so much more cluttered. But like going back to my very first thought about like the actual decision space, like that doesn't feel that different. That to different. Me. I think that for me, the I think the if I'm thinking like the best way that I w- if I was going to show someone Great Western Trail and I want them to experience it in its optimal form, it's three players. And I think there's some harmony and some like aesthetically pleasing aspects of like the three strategic paths. Everyone gets one strategic path as Fister intended and just <laughs> pursues it to the end and we'll see who wins. The board doesn't feel like massively open. There's a little bit of competition and choke points, but it's not totally clogged and like my arteries are destroyed. So yeah, for me, it's three. Two's good. I like it. Four's fine, but I probably, if I was offered to play Great Western Trail at four or something else that I liked the game just as much, I'd probably pick the other game. I think that's it. Brennan, do you have any final thoughts on this game? Room service is still Alexander Fister's best game. You should play that. It's awesome. Great Western. Yeah, I'm not Trail a Fister hater because yeah. I love Broom Service. Uh, great and Isle of Sky. We had to stand for it a little bit on the podcast because I think we feel like people don't appreciate Broom Service in the way they should. Um, and I think that Great Western Trail is awesome. I get why it's really popular. I want to keep playing it. Um, yeah, I think that there there's valid criticism of this game. It is not, in my mind, the best game ever designed. But it's great. It's good. I really like it. Yeah. And I mean, if you love Great Western Trail, come in our Discord. Tell us why. Uh, I know I'm in the, you know, vast, vast minority of people. This is uh, one of the top rated board games of all time. Uh, widely loved and, you know, loved after countless plays by folks. So if that's you, don't let me stand in the way of it. I hope that you very much enjoyed our uh, conversation about it and we'd love to hear uh, what we got right what we got wrong and you can do that in our discord we will always share a link to join our discord and online chat room in the show notes of this podcast the description of this podcast we can also be found on twitter at decision spa uh, brendan is at burnside bh and i'm at jake freed that's j-a-k-e-f-r-y-d uh let's see we already mentioned the patreon uh anything else i'm forgetting brendan we got a website we do decisionspacepodcast.com go there it's good what's happening next week tigris and euphrates we'll see if the podcast survives next week yeah so join us next week for what it will undoubtedly be the last episode of decision space ever just kidding uh (laughs) thanks so much for listening and we will see you next week thanks as always to hembry for our intro and outro song reach out yeehaw yeehaw
Come <laughs> tonight.